You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. I can't go back. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman. This podcast is my story. It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman, and we are welcoming today Amanda Gonzalez. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Amanda. Um, Amanda is a mom, and that is not a requirement to be on the show, but it does seem to be a, uh, a situation that comes up a lot. So she lives in San Antonio, Texas, which is an amazing place. If any of you have ever been to San Antonio, uh, it's a really fun place. Our daughter has given us the opportunity to travel by her living in different places, and she's now living in Houston. So that made us go to San Antonio and lots of fun places in Texas. She is a 44-year-old wife, a mother of three, ages 19, 6, and 5. A little bit of a spread there. We're going to talk about that. I re- she recently retired as an esthetician and skincare professional after 22 years, and she is now settling into her role as a stay-at-home mom. She's also kind of an empty nester, but also homeschooling those little girls. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about her youngest daughter, who has a handicap uh, that she's had since birth, and a lot of other things. And I love that Amanda included her favorite quote. She says, strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't. And I think that's a great way to start the show. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh my Thank gosh. you so much for the opportunity. And you know what? I love the story of how Amanda and I met because um, I love to vacation yearly. I go to a resort in St. George, Utah called Red Mountain Resort. I'd been there many, many times. And I don't know whether it was an ad that popped up. I don't know. I think it was an ad for Red Mountain. But Brooke Burke, if any of you know of her, um, advertised that she was going to be doing a retreat at Red Mountain. And I thought, well, that sounds fabulous because I'm planning on going there anyway. So she did a retreat. And Amanda was also another guest at the retreat. And so that is how we met. And I cannot say enough about meeting people uh, just randomly through activities that you choose to put yourself out to. Um, a lot of times it does depend on personalities. Some people are very introverted. Some people are very extroverted. And I kind of consider myself an extrovert introvert, um, but I am willing to try things I've never done before. So uh, a lot of times I get myself into situations that, you know, two days before the event, I'm like, oh, crud, what did I do? This, I don't want to do this. This is going to be scary. But, you know, you paid for it, so you have to do it. And then because of that, you meet wonderful people like Amanda. So, Amanda, how are you? 
I'm good. I'm doing well. Thank you. It was it was amazing getting to meet you, too, because when you started talking about your story and about TJ and I, my eyes kind of lit up because I felt like, oh, there's someone here who who probably already gets me. And I haven't even we haven't even gotten to really talk. But uh, that was an amazing time for me and getting to know you. And um, that was pretty awesome. And I, I do enjoy following your uh, your son and all your children and you're an inspiration. <laughs> oh, you really are. You. You're so, so sweet. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, we, we are a tribal people. I do think people have to admit that humans, homo sapiens are tribal and we do look for people that we share things in common with. And being the parent of a child that has disabilities, um, we don't have the same experiences because disabilities are, are on a spectrum, but we do have similarities in areas such as caregiving or time um, restrictions, things that other people maybe don't. Although it's interesting because my daughter was saying the other day that um, she had to, she has a son that's autistic and she had to pick him up and and uh, the person that she was with said, "Oh, well, do you want to just stop stop by and drop him off at home and then." you know, blah, blah, blah. And she said, um, I can't do that. Even though he's nine, I can't drop him off. But she didn't recognize that. She was just thinking, oh, you have a nine-year-old. I have a nine-year-old and, you know, they can stay home for a few minutes. And, and, uh, but then she said, but then I had to recognize that what this uh, particular woman was going through, I also cannot conceive of of the trials that this other woman was going through. So it's one of those walking a mile in someone else's shoes type thing. Mm -hmm. And so now that you've brought it up, tell us a little bit about your children. And, and I also want you to emphasize where you were in your life as far as your, um, like, this is my journey that I've set up for myself. And I feel this is where my self-esteem is. This is where my self-worth is. Uh, as I was entering into these adventures called life. So start from the beginning and tell us, I mean, 22 years, you're not that old. You couldn't have started when you were three. So, um, you know, as an esthetician. So tell us, kind of yeah. give us a little journey story here. So I I started working at a very young age. I, I wanted to become a nurse and that didn't exactly work out for me. And then I, then I somehow by accident became a makeup artist and then from being a makeup artist went into going to trade school and becoming an esthetician. And I was very young, you know, in my twenties and, um, and then got married very young and had my son, I was about 24. Um, and so I kind of started life a little earlier than some of my friends and it was rough and that, that didn't work out for me. You know, I just, I, I thought that that's I was very young and immature and just didn't, just didn't know, you know, and so I found myself a single mom, uh, pretty much lost everything, you know, it was just me and my son. And uh, my parents were kind enough to, to take, take us in, you know, and I got, I was able to, I mean, I had times where I, I mean, I, and I tell this story a lot, because I feel like somebody will hear it and right. be like, Oh, I've, I've been there. Or, but I remember trying to run my business you know, and I was a, a small business owner and I didn't know a whole lot about logistics of business. I only knew my trade and that my clients liked me and I was good at what I did, mm -hmm. but the money side of it, not so much. 
<laughs> and I remember going through the drive right after my divorce, going through the drive through and just not having any money to feed my son. I, I didn't have any money. And I remember reaching in and getting change and I bought him a happy meal. I think it was at McDonald's or something. And he says, mama, aren't you hungry? And I was like, yeah, I am, but yeah. I didn't have enough. So, you know, I've been all the way down where I couldn't even feed my kid. I felt like the most loser, worst mom in the world. Um, and so that, that I, I hit hard times in the kind of in the beginning and then my family came in and helped me. And so I, I think I experienced a lot of stuff, you know, more than some, like I said, more than some of my friends did. Right. Right. And, uh, and then, uh, and then years later down the line, I met my now husband and we, you know, here I had my son already and he, you know, took my son in, treated him like his own. And his dream was he wanted to be a father. And so he, he wanted to have more kids and that, that was kind of the journey that we decided on and that I would keep working. And so we were raising my son and then we had, um, Anina, who's my six-year-old and she was not, I mean, I was 38 mm. by the time I had her right. and uh, she had a birth defect. She had a, was born with an open palate mm -hmm. up in the roof of her mouth and ha she had to have reconstructive surgery for that. Mm. Um, but we were, we were really, and I talk about it now, like it was no big deal, but at the time it was traumatic for us right. because we had to figure out how to feed her, you know, the milk would come out her. No, I mean, it was just kind of a nightmare for us. And then we got over that. And then, you know, she was about four months old. We just got the feeding thing down. And I found out I was pregnant with the youngest. Oh, she was, was only big, four months. Wow. Right. Interesting. That was a that was a big surprise. And I think I sat in my closet and kind of cried because I was like, I'm already overwhelmed. Right. I just figured out how to feed this one. And now I've got another one on the way. And so... Um, and then Alessia was born and we had a big shocker. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. a big, that was a big surprise. Uh, she has Apert syndrome, the youngest, okay. uh, it's acrocephalosyndactyly. So that's the long word, but the, the short word of it is Apert syndrome. Okay. And it's just a word for skeletal abnormality. So it's genetic. It happens from time of conception. Um, you know, because a lot of times you're like, well, oh, you know, people are like, well, what happened? I right. mean, were you doing this or that? Or right. it's not really anybody's fault. It's just kind of a mis genetic misfire, you know, right, right. Um, it causes premature uh, fusion of the bones, the skull, the hands, the feet. Uh, it causes facial abnormalities, um, nasal breathing and speech problems. Uh, her face is different. You know, her eyes um um, were because of the skull and the pressure, her eyes were coming out kind of bulging and, uh, her little hands looked like rosebuds. Mm. Um, that was shocking because we didn't know, and there's no real test. There's no prenatal test for that, that sometimes they'll catch it in a sonogram, mm. but within the APERC community are the APERC community is very tight knit because it's so rare. It's like yeah. one in 65,000, yeah. one in 65 to 80 something thousand. Okay. So, um, but 
you know, that we didn't know. And a lot of the other Aper families said they didn't know either because it's hard to tell with just the black and white sonogram. Right. Um, and it's not like Down syndrome where they can have, they have a specialized test for it. They just don't because it's so rare. Right. You know? Right. So were her fingers fused then? Is that what, uh, so she had all, all 10 fingers, but they were fused together. So it just had a kind of a round look to it. Right. Right. Um, Almost like a baby doll. They were all fused and it was smooth. You couldn't oh, okay. see, you couldn't even see where her fingers started and stopped. I mean, there was no definition there. It was just a little smooth, kind of like a mitten hand oh, okay. is what we call it. Okay. And, um, you know, that was shocking, you know, obviously to see that. Um, and, and she's had a lot of surgeries. Mm. So, um, she does not have joint. She doesn't have working joints. Mm. So they've done surgery to separate those fingers. Uh-huh. Um, but obviously, you know, her, her hands don't look like yours and mine. You know, right. they look so different. Right. Um, they did what they could and they did an amazing job. Mm. But uh, she doesn't have the she, she can't bend her fingers. Mm. So it it makes dressing herself very hard because there's no joints there. Wow. So they're very stiff hands and uh, she gets frustrated. Right. She gets frustrated sometimes. Her feet are the same. Her feet are, um, all of her to- toes are webbed, fused. Uh-huh. Um, and some people choose to separate the toes and some people don't. Mm. We decided not to because basically if they separate the toes, it, it makes a very wide foot and oh. it makes it very hard to find shoes mm-hmm. and uh, they said that it shouldn't affect her. So doesn't affect your balance no. because she still has the platform to stand on is right. Huh. So they said she should be fine. Um, she does have trouble getting around, you know, walking. Um, you know, she will have to have a lot of surgeries. And there are some some of the kids in our Apert family that, that didn't make it. I oh. mean, in the past couple of years, we we had some that had complications from surgeries, et cetera. Oh. Because the cranio, the the first surgery that they have is the the cranio and the brain because they're born with their uh, skull, those skull bones that are supposed to be open, you know, the fontanelles, those are fused together like an adult would be like a grown person. And so they have to go in and separate those bones to allow the the brain to grow so there's no pressure on the brain. Mm. And so uh, she's had three of those surgeries and then she's had a forehead advancement surgery. So um, those surgeries can can be very invasive. And um, some of the kids don't, you know, don't come out of that. So we're blessed. um, We're blessed to to have her, you know, right through all of that. She's uh, she's pretty amazing. But uh, again, a lot of work. I, I see her. She's five, but she's still, her sister's six and, you know, her sister jumps in and helps her a lot, which I love. Right. But I see her struggling with her clothing and um, all the things that you, what you mentioned about your daughter and how the two boys were the same age, but they just really weren't, you know, it was a little bit different because of their, you know, they were just different in many ways. So that's kind of how I see her with other kids. Now, when she was born, uh, because she was a newborn and and though her her uh, her uh, her skull had fused, but it was still a little baby skull. So as uh, so, did they do surgery immediately, or how how what was the time frame in between those 
cranial surgeries? I want to say she was about four months old when she had her first okay. uh, cranial surgery. And then um, before the age of one, I think, I want to say she had two of them. Wow. And then, yeah, two or three. Gosh, it was just so many. Right. Yeah. They had to do it. So they had to do it within a certain time, I guess, oh, because of the growth. I see. So, yeah. So they had to do it within a certain time and they did all of them so far that they think she's going to need. And um, the forehead advancement she just had about, I believe it was two years ago. Hmm. So she was a little older when she had that one. And um, and then the Apert kids, when they're about 10, 9 or 10, mm-hmm. they do the full, um, um, they do the full, I, it's a big, it's a very massive craniosurgery. Okay. And what it is, is it's the full face advancement. They have to do, because they're, they have apnea, they have, they have sleep apnea because their nasal bones are so constricted that they don't really can't really breathe out of their nose. Right. Right. So she, so she's a big snorer. Mm -hmm. She snores a lot. Mm -hmm. And so the big surgery that she'll have at eight or nine is to help the sleep apnea and to open up her nasal bones. And also it changes the shape of their face, um, changes the shape of their nose to be more open and uh, aesthetically just look a little bit nicer but also the, the functionality is going to hopefully be there for her that she needs to breathe. So right. um, that's the most major one. I feel like we've turned a corner and we're, we've got the worst surgeries behind us now. But, but you're, so. you know, I think that's something that people, and I'm sure they, just, they don't think about it because it's just whatever. But, you know, when you go into surgery, of course, they always try to tell you what, what the possibility of what could happen. And most people are like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, but there are like, uh, we I was just talking to a doctor and I, uh, because my son has to have his baclofen pump replaced. And I said, oh, I'm just dreading it because he has, if, if you list the consequences of what could happen from a surgery, pick one, he'll have it every single time. Even something as simple as having his wisdom teeth taken out. It's like dry socket, whatever. Yep. He's going to have that. And he had one surgery that I think it was also a baclofen pump uh, replacement and he aspirated. So it doesn't have anything to do with the surgery or his cerebral palsy. It's just a surgical thing that he aspirated and it, he almost died. So it's not so much the disability or the amazing things that the medical community can do now for these people. It's the actual idea that anytime you go into surgery, there are risks involved. And you've got someone that, like you say, before the age of one, they've already had three or four major surgeries, every single time that anesthesia goes anywhere near them or whatever, there's this risk of, 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 uh, you know, your life changing, but you've got a baby when you're having this baby and you're doing surgery and then you're doing visits at the hospital and then you're doing recovery things. What, who helped you? Somebody had to help you. I, oh my gosh. Yeah. Mom, dad, where they, did they step in? My parents were amazing. Oh, my parents gosh. pretty much saved the day. My sister and her husband were amazing. They live here in San Antonio. Okay. Um, my husband's parents at the time, I mean, they even brought us, some, you know, food, brought us meals. Um, 
my my mom and dad would take turns because here's the crazy part. I had at one point two of my daughters having a surgery. I want to say within two weeks of each other. That's one what I was going to ask if the palate thing yeah. was still going on at this time. So go yes, ahead. It yeah. Was. Yeah. So she was like maybe 18 months old. So while she was having her surgery and that is a, that was pretty much a, that was a pretty crazy surgery because they had, to, he had to go in and reconstruct the whole roof of her mouth because oh. she didn't have, it, there was a hole there. Right, so he had right. to make tissue there. And so, um, they suture it, but that palate is kind of loose and it all kind of heals together. And so that trying to feed her after that. And then I've got the little one two weeks later that had a, I believe she had a cranio and a sinus surgery. They, they try to, uh, she, the other thing is she had duplicate or not duplicate. Um, uh, they did surgeries where it was like, we're going to do this, but since she's already under, we're going to do this also. Oh, right. Right. And so, so they wouldn't have to keep putting her under. So whatever she needed, they, all the surgeons would try to jump on and do that. Okay. And now so that, I had one. that's a, that's mm-hmm. a frustrating thing. Cause I remember when I had my cesarean, when TJ was born and I remember saying to the doctor, Hey, this would be a great time. Let's just do a tummy tuck. And what else can we do while I've got, and the, we can't do that. Now you're telling me actually they could have. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> yeah. But oh my gosh. Ooh, I know. Yeah. Like, I would have, I would have asked for that too. Yeah. It's like, well, you're in there. Like, yeah. yeah, I know. Interesting. Can you, just, can you just tighten me up, please? Yeah. I mean, while you're cutting open skin, let's take off a couple inches. Yeah. Anyway, it's funny. I would have. Yeah, I would agree. I would do it. So you've got yeah, no. two babies there. I'm assuming that your husband had amazing medical insurance. What is happening with all of this hospitalization financially? So um, this is another really interesting uh, fact here. But my husband was working. He's an insurance broker. And he was at the time working for a a firm. And he was an employee of that firm. And he had been wanting he had been wanting to go out on his own and start his own brokerage. Um, But you know, that takes a lot of, you know, you need investors and you just you really need help with that. And at the time with everything we were going through, that was tough. So um, yeah, we uh, that's where he was. And I totally lost my train of thought. What you asked well, me <laughs> financially having, you know, those medical bills must've okay. just been astounding. So, um, the, I qualified for a program. Um, my mother's, my mother has, um, Shawnee heritage. Oh. So I actually have my great uh, grandfather was a registered Shawnee Indian under the Cherokee nation. Oh my and gosh. so, um, I have family members that were on the Dawes Act. And so we have this kind of a rich um, tradition, uh, you know, family history that goes back uh, for the Shawnee people. I mean, I have relatives that came over on the Trail of Tears. Um, It's pretty, pretty amazing. But because my grandmother insisted that all of our names be registered with the Cherokee, it's a Cherokee nation, but it's a Shawnee tribe. We're, We're Shawnee. Right. Um, so we have enough Native American blood that we qualify, you know, and so um, we got under the insurance that we chose, we actually got a subsidy. And so that insurance that we got was a Native American plan. Oh. And because my my daughters are Native American, right. um, we have not paid 
a dime. Oh, that's so amazing. Not there, a dime. There's your retribution. There's the retribution for yeah. the, for yeah. like you say, the trail yeah. of tears and the injustice that was done. It's like, yes. I'm so, I mean, I'm so uh, naive and, and went through a school system that never taught things like that. I'm just now, I mean, I'm documentary. I'm my poor husband is like, are you ever going to come out of the, I mean, <laughs> what, what are you watching now? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm done with Roman history and we're moving on to the trail of tears. You know, I mean, I'm just absorbing all of this history that I knew nothing about. And the whole yeah. co- colonization of this country is new to me. And I'm just like, what, what, you know, it just, bleh. I'm sad about that. I'm sad that I was so naive. But anyway, I'm grateful that that program was there. I can't even imagine. It was it was pretty awesome. At first, it was a little bumpy because not too many people had heard of the plan. And we had a little bit of problems when we first got there. And the insurance company was kind of giving us problems. So Mm. it's not like we didn't have to fight. Yeah, Yeah. I, I had to I had to do a lot of fighting in the beginning. And a lot of fighting. And then once we were over that initial phase of, yes, here we are, we're not going away. Right. This is what you offered us. Right. Um, then we were, then it was smooth sailing after right. that, but it was a lot of fighting in the beginning. And, and so now we kind of know. And you know what? I think that's such an important thing to say because um, mm-hmm. I remember the last surgery that, that TJ had was it's in the middle of COVID and I took him in and um and I think I may have mentioned this last time, but you know, they're in the middle of COVID. So they're following this protocol that they've set up for everybody. And they said, uh, well, we're going to take him up to his room now and he, you can't go with him. And I was like, oh yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I, I have to go with him. And they're like, well, actually you can't. And I said, okay, well then we're going to go home because I'm not, you know, and eventually they came back and they said, okay, you can go with him. And then I found out from my, actually, I have another podcast Ed, that I'm doing next week with this amazing woman, but she, you know, I was telling this story on like Facebook and she said, well, actually the Americans with disability acts, you know, and she had all this information that I didn't have. And so you have to fight for what you know is right. And it doesn't matter what the authority is or, or where the, um, the, this hierarchy is that you think you can't cross over or push through. Um, you have to fight for what you know is right. And that's such a part of when I, when we talk about becoming visible, if you can't fight for yourself, that's where you get lost. And for, and to Mm -hmm. just accept things as they are, because an authority figure told you that that's the way it is. That's, there's so many wrongs that are done because of that. And it's sad, exactly what you said that you had to fight so hard, um, for that, but thank heavens you did. Wow. We, I like what you said. It's true. You you do have to fight a lot. And um, because people, I, I almost feel like I've, I had that mindset before I had a daughter that was disabled. I didn't understand. I I had a client who had a disabled daughter and I would look at her and I, I, I never did imagine her life or how, how hard she had it because I was, I mean, unknowingly, just kind of being selfish, moving along with my life, like, oh, I, you know, my, my son can walk and talk and whatever. Mm-hmm. But seeing her, she had to have, you know, a nurse come in and take care of her daughter. And, and, you know, there was so many things that she endured and I watched her. And then after I had my daughter, I was like, wow, I never could imagine until you experience it right. or till you follow somebody around for a day and see what they go through. Right. And you're like, wow, I wish I would have understood this. Right. 
And so I think that there's, I think a lot of people out there still don't have a, a pure, a, a, um, uh, an understanding of, of, of what some of these families go through right. um, with just with parking and, and, and <laughs> don't get me started know, on parking. That's, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Parking, yeah. getting into somewhere or, you know, just stuff like that. Right. And it's, it's, it's really, it's aggravating sometimes. Well, you know what um, I think we, is interesting is one time I put a video of um, me getting my son dressed, shaving him, bathing him, dressing him. And I had a really good girlfriend and she said, you know, I never thought about it. I mean, I see you show up, you show up, he's dressed, you're dressed, everybody's dressed. I never thought, oh, wait, how did, how does TJ get dressed, you know, or shaving him or you know, all of the other things. It's like, you don't think of that because it isn't in your world. It isn't part of your world. But, um, but yep. I will say that it, it, no matter what your trial is, and it could be a 50 million things, um, it does give you the ability to step back a little bit and go, okay, I don't think I understand exactly what's happening here, but I know that there's something going on and I have such compassion for what you have going on. So that is the joy that is one of the benefits of having a little bit of suffering, going through a little bit mm-hmm. of suffering. It does kind of open up your world a little bit. And um, I do think there's a little bit of a, we've gone a little bit too far with that pendulum of suffering because there are things that I don't know if it's really suffering, but you know, in this world yeah. right now, we're kind of going through a little shift and we think we need to center it back again, but it doesn't matter. It's, you know, compassion and sympathy and empathy are good no matter what. Um, so interesting. So now you're homeschooling. That is a choice because of COVID or have you always, well, you're, you're, uh, she would only be what kindergarten. So you're only at the kindergarten phase, right? So, yeah. So we put her in a program. She was in a special education program through the local public school system here. We put, we like a preschool, like a preschool program. Right. Just for, so for, it's like a couple of hours a day and they do, um, you know, day to day stuff with her. They work with, you know, PTOT. Now I do, we do, our insurance does cover, we have a PTOT that comes to the house and works with her. So, um, that we were already doing, but the public school was going to also offer uh, speech and all the things that we needed. So we got her qualified there and, uh, she was in school for a month she was like maybe three, I think. Oh. Yeah, three. And that's when co- when the whole COVID oh. thing started. Right. And they shut down the school right. after she had only been there a month. Right. So we pulled her out. She did uh, homeschool with the public school system. And it really wasn't because it was just like supposed to be a couple of hours a day. So really the teacher would just send me assignments and I would just do things with her. Okay. Because um, it wasn't a full-time right. school right. thing. Right. And and through that time, I continued to see clients. I, you know, I worked a little bit when I could, um, but I noticed it was just getting harder and harder to, to balance yeah. both. Did you, both of them. did you find and because so, of this, because of the COVID restrictions and, and uh, that you would, you thought, okay, I can make this work. I'm going to schedule these, these appointments Monday, Wednesday, Friday at three o'clock. And so you'd, the client would have a time, you would have a time. And then uh, the school would get, or the school would call you or, or she would get sick or the therapist isn't available and would you be available? So it was that part of your responsibility that then you had to call the client and say, I'm sorry, I can't meet with you at three because I now have to take care of my daughter. Did you have that kind of 
problem scheduling? Was that an issue? So, well, what it was, because I didn't want to run into that, what I was doing was I was working on the weekend. Oh, and my husband was taking over, oh. but he, by, by then he had started his own business yeah. and his business was taking off. So right. he was working, watching kids and right. I was working on the weekend oh my gosh. and our family was suffering mm-hmm. greatly right. and we never got to see each other. And I just, I started to really dread, you know, being working on the weekends yeah. and, um, it was tough. Right. It was really tough. And uh, not that I didn't love my clients. I mean, right. they were so amazing. Right. When my daughter was born, I had clients show, showing up at my door with food oh and, and gifts. And I mean, they were amazing. I, I think at one point I almost, I mean, I, I was, <laughs> I wanted to cry so hard, but I was like, I can't lose it in yeah. front of them. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, they're pretty amazing and supportive don't, and they still are. Yeah. You know? I was going to say, don't you find, and I've said this many times, but if I ever question humanity, if I ever question whether there's more good out there than there is bad or, or the compassion that's out there, uh, I just have to take TJ out, take him to the grocery store, take him to the mall or whatever. And the compassion that I see people falling over themselves to open doors uh, or whatever uh, is amazing. And it, it really does yeah. bring out the best in people. And I love that, that you have a community that isn't necessarily tied in with the restriction it's just the people that you mingle with that, that they, they're good. They're good people. I love that you shared yeah. that. That's so amazing. I've, uh, I've experienced a lot of the same that you have. And I mean, I have experienced some, you know, stares and yeah. people gawking at yeah. her and her hands and stuff. Yeah. And I don't, it used to bother me and it yeah. really doesn't anymore because no. I recognize that humanity is curious. Exactly. Most people are just staring out of curiosity, exactly. right? Um, they're not mean spirited. And then you see little kids on the playground, you know, whispering to each yes. other, yes. you know, and I'm like, they're little kids. They don't know, but yeah, that's um, exactly right. I, I've had a lot of smiles and a lot of people say hello to her right. and strike up a conversation with her and just, they're more, uh, kind right. than anything. Right. Yeah. That, that's so true. And I know I've had, um, uh, and, and what my kind of aha moment was, was when I saw babies, I mean, eight or nine month old babies that would stare at my son. And I think that's when I recognized, all right, this is a human thing. This isn't a judgment thing. And little, and I got to the point where it was hilarious because I would watch these little kids literally run into walls or signposts because they were staring at him. And so I would be like yeah. that, you know, and it's almost like you're like, watch out, turn around, wait, you know. Um, so know. It's, it is, it's a human thing. And I, I really do wish people would kind of lighten up on that because, yeah, you know what? And we get used to it. We don't see it. But yeah. then when I would step back, I'd go, all right, well, his arms are out. They call it the W, you know, his, his arms are out like this because he's, um, which isn't a normal way to hold your arms. Um, and uh, so it's like, oh, yeah, I yeah. get it, you know, and then children are so great because they ask you simple questions that you start going, you know, why can't he walk or what's wrong with him or things like that. And you're like, okay, I, I see now this is an innocent child. So when an adult asks that, you think, well, you should have moved on a little farther, but they're just curious. It's human. I think we have to be so forgiving of things that are just humanity dealing with people. 
Um, but you know, on the other hand, I also will stare at um, a gorgeous human. I mean, it's just like, wow, that person is beautiful, you know? So it goes both ways. Anything that's kind of uh, unique, you know, it's also, mm-hmm. uh, I think people get too hung up on stuff like that. But I agree. Uh, yeah. I agree. Can yeah. you hear me okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I, I'm like, mm, no, I mean, doesn't, you know, doesn't phase me anymore. Right. You right. know? And then, and then I love the interaction that you said between your girls, um, because that was probably the biggest blessing of all was that, uh, to have siblings that, um, I know with my daughter and, and, uh, she has the son that's autistic and then she has one that's just a couple years younger and, um, the way that they care, you know, for each other. And I always knew going off to school that, um, he, his brothers and sisters were there with him. And so I never worried yes. about, um, you know, anybody taking advantage of him or anything like that, because I knew that he was there with his brothers and sisters. And, and, uh, that was such a relief. That was such a relief. So I love that she's, uh, does she, has she had to defend her or, or, uh, you know, has she ever said anything like, don't look at my sister and you're like, it's okay. It's okay. Or anything like that. You know, not yet. She hasn't yet. And, and we haven't, I don't think we've gotten there yet, Okay, she, but, but, but I wouldn't put it past that one. I mean, that <laughs> one has got some fire yes. and I could see her like later on down the line. I know when they get to be teenagers, it's going to be different. Um, but I could, I could totally see her. I feel like, you know, God kind of gives us the kids in the direct order that we're supposed to have them. Oh, don't tell <laughs> me that. That, don't tell me that. Now I have to go back and go, all right, what did I do? What, what did I do to deserve this? No. <laughs> because I'm like, I don't, like, I feel like, you know, I had her, but then the little one. And, yeah. and I was like, you know what? The reason they, same thing. I was right. so distraught over them being so close in age and then having all those issues. But now I'm like, you know what? Yeah. They're going to, they're going to defend each other. They're going to be each other's best friends. They're going to be super close. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe when they're older, they want to move in together. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, but yeah, I could totally see her. She's, she's pretty Brian. Yeah. Can you help me get this thing off my screen? I don't know how it popped up. I'm finding a, trying to find a place. I've got my email that just popped up. I don't want to touch anything and lose you, Amanda. So <laughs> anyway, so, okay. So I, what I want to know is, all right, so you have felt very good about yourself. You've done the training, you've gone to school, you've become an esthetician, you have clients. Um, you, you know, you have to be, feel, oh, there's a, no, you, you found the thing. You have to be feeling that you're successful and that you've achieved. Thank you. And, um, so was there a point with the overwhelming responsibility of now having two children that I'm sure there wasn't a clock, right? You didn't check out at six o'clock and go, well, done with my shift. Um, uh, I can go to bed now. Uh, you, you have children you have to take care of, uh, 24 seven. At one point, did you feel like you lost you? Uh, yeah, I did for sure. I think especially when, when, COVID happened because I had to shut down and, you know, we were kind of forced to shut down there for a while. And I, that was really hard. And I was like, I, I kind of didn't know who I was without my job. I know that sounds, 
you know, but I was always, I guess, because of being a single mom and working ever since I was, I've been working since I was 19. Right. So I, I was like, I need a paying job. Like I I was insistent, like I need to. And by this point, when uh, COVID happened, my husband's business took off. I mean, he was his phone. He had to have, he's got two phones. His phones are ringing off the hook. He's busy, busy, busy. He's working all the time and he's working from home. Um, so we were kind of all here together and I just, I was just, I kind of hit a dark place because I was like, you know, this isn't, I need to see my clients and I want to do my skincare and I want to do, you know, makeup for people and stuff. I had this desire to fulfill that, but I was needed so badly here and there was, you know, no school. And so at first I kind of felt forced into this (laughs) and I felt kind of bad, you know, I I didn't accept it well, but I think I prayed about it a lot. And I just kind of started feeling like, you know what, this is not, um, this is not who you are. This is what you did. This is something that you did for people and it made people happy and they loved it, but this isn't who you are. And so I, I finally settled into the new role. It's, it's, it's not, uh, what is it? Identity. It's not, uh, it's not that I lost my identity. I just got a new identity. Right, 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 right. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to accept my new identity because this is not what I've known. And I just, I I, I was fighting it so bad. I I, I don't know why. Like, and my husband finally said, I was, I had a real dark day and he says, do you know how valuable you are? You are so valuable. The things that you do for this family and the care that you give for Alessia, he's like, it's, it's just so I need it. Yeah. You're valuable to this family. And so, you know what? I think, I, I think that's the, the ticket right there. What you just said about being told that you have value because you're a stay at home mom. And I that's think right. that's where the, the moms of the world are like, but I'm doing everything and nobody gives me a paycheck or a bonus or two weeks vacation or any of the accolades that, that when you're in the work you know system, you get rewarded for what you do. And nobody ever says, gosh, mom, or, hey, honey, I opened up that drawer and I saw there was clean laundry in there. That's amazing. You know, you're they're kind of like, where's my T-shirt that I love? And you're like, it's in the laundry. But yeah, so I think mm-hmm. that's so fabulous that you, you your husband... Uh, gave you that validation. That's such right there is such an important. Somebody write that down. If you're feeling invisible right now, write that down is where are you getting your validation? Where are you getting your worth? And if you're not being told how important you are, just keeping a family together, then that's what you need to address. So that's, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Where were you in your health journey? Uh, Because you, you kind of went through a, I'm taking back my life health wise before COVID happened. So tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit about that journey where you just said, I need to get, I need to get healthy. Uh, Yeah. So I, you know, I gained a lot of weight with both of the pregnancies. um, And um, it's like here I was eating, you know, when I was 24 and pregnant, I just kind of ate whatever I wanted. I didn't (laughs) take into consideration that the clock had been ticking all this time. And here I am almost 40 and I'm kind of eating a lot of bad stuff and not taking care of myself. And, um, I gained a lot of weight. Um, and then 
you know, here I was, hadn't even lost the baby weight from. Yeah. Four months. No. You know? Yeah. And then I'm pregnant again. So I ended up gaining even more weight. So I was probably the heaviest that I had ever been. And, um, and then I, I met all of you and I, I got, I was able to go to that, uh, that Brooke Burke retreat. And, um, I, I got some tools that helped me kind of get healthy and I actually lost a lot of weight and I started feeling a lot better Mm -hmm. in my body. And, um, I hit some other, (laughs) some other hard stuff because I had ended up with some autoimmune stuff that was going on and, um, that autoimmune stuff that was happening, I was able to pinpoint where that was coming from. And that's a whole other ball game, but that all of that stuff kind of just lined up, everything lined up for me. And I was like, Oh, I see. Oh, I see. And then I was able to kind of work through all of that. And now I feel really good. I'm, I'm probably the healthiest that I've ever been. And we even had COVID, you know, we had that. So I love that your husband joined you on that journey. Cause I think that's rare that he started exercising Mm -hmm. with you and following the cruise control program. And, Mm -hmm. and I love that you guys did that together. I think that's very, also very validating that you guys did that together. Um, do you, have you both kind of, I mean, which, which do you think was the most important, um, in your, in the changes that you made? Do you feel like it was the incorporating an exercise routine or a change in your nutrition or, or both, or what do you think has stuck with you the most? Um, the, the nutrition, I think that, yeah, the nutrition has stuck with us, um, to where we're very conscious of, um, you know, how much we're eating and what kind of kinds of foods that we're eating and almost uh, well, also how, what we're feeding our kids. Yeah. You know, um, I think that really opened our eyes to what, what are our kids eating? Right. You know? And so we're very conscious of that with the the kids and uh, we both have kept our our weight off, which is crazy because it's been three years, I think. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, and we did do it together Yeah. and it, it was, it made it easier to have a partner in that. Because I'll, I'll be honest, if it was just me by myself, I don't know if I would have been able to, we really needed each other. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, of course, you know, the men, they lose weight really fast. Oh, I know. He was like, that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) It's like, I'm only going to have four hot dogs today. Oh, I lost a pound. I'm like, shut up. You know, you accidentally ate a cracker, you know, and gained a pound, you know, so I know it's so true. That's exactly, but he's not even the, um, you know, he's not even the same person that he Uh, was before. uh, He's a totally different, he's a totally different person. He's really worked hard, right? you know? Um, so I think people look at us now and they're like, oh, look at you and you're, but the journey that we had was a very difficult, I mean, it's a rough a very rough journey. And, you know, the more we, the more we did it and the more we, um, navigated together, I I remember at one point in the hospital, I believe it was my sister, my sister, Andrea and I are like two years apart. So we're very close. Yeah. And everybody says we look alike and we talk alike and you answer the phone. And I think my dad doesn't know who <laughs> yeah. he's like, yeah. gets this mixed right, up, right. almost like twins. Yeah. But she said to me, when Alessia was born, she was one of the ones that was very supportive. And she said to me, this is going to make 
or break your marriage. Absolutely. And, uh, we had a very hard time in the beginning. I think that my husband was very, um, he was afraid to hold her. I think that he was blaming himself. You know, I don't know. Um, if that, you know, if other men have gone, I don't know if other women have, their husbands have gone through that. Um, but I've spoken to a couple of other women who said, my husband was the same. He just was very quiet. He kind of shut down. I think men do handle things differently than we do. And that's how he was. And it was a while before he kind of came around and started accepting it. He was angry. He had a lot of anger. And that was the day that I said, Hey, this is going to make or break us. What's it going to be? And he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be broken. And that was the day we kind of agreed that we were going to be a team on this and we were going to do everything together. And we still do. I mean, he still, the other day he, he took the kids so that I could go have my Galentine's brunch with my, my friends, because I don't, you know, we don't get to do that very often. That's right. You know, we don't get to do those things. Um, and it's very hard to know who to trust if it's not your family, you know, right. to trust others with your, you know, your child that's disabled. I mean, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, we're still a team, Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, I don't think, I mean, I have, um, uh, quite a few friends that ha- were single moms and it is absolutely impossible um, to get through life in general without some kind of a support system. And I do believe that there is a, um, a privilege when you do have a great family like you had that could help you. And, and, um, it is a lot of, a lot of times something that other, a lot of people don't have that, that back. And it's absolutely impossible. And I remember looking, somebody had told us about a, um, kind of a day program that, that was offered in the area where we lived. And I thought, Oh, well, that would be interesting. Let me let me go check that out for my son. And so I went over to this, it, it, it ended up being an assisted living home. And I was like, that's not what I'm looking for. But just to go there and to tour it and to see the the kids that were there at this assisted living place, um, there was a girl there that her, her mom was single and she was the breadwinner and she didn't have any help. And so her only, her only way that she could provide was to put her daughter in an assisted living so that she could go to work and then after work, go and stay with her daughter all, you know, at night and then on the weekends. And I just, I, what people, I have so much admiration for people that somehow do it. They somehow get by. A lot of times you can depend on older children. I did. I had, you know, five other children that could babysit and, or get him off the bus at three o'clock if I couldn't be home when the bus, you know, got there after school. So that, like you said, I could go out to lunch with some friends or my husband and I could go out on a date night. We had built-in babysitters. I don't, if he would have been our first, I, like you were saying, I don't know how I, I don't know how many other children I would have had, you know? So it's, it's just, yeah. it's, it's just amazing. And I have so much compassion for people that don't have a good support system around them because it's so important. And sometimes that support system becomes your community. It isn't family. Um, but yeah, that's true. That, that is very true. I, I, I actually, I'm glad you said that. I just met another, um, APERT mom here in San Antonio. It's so rare. I honestly, I think we have probably, that's only four APERT kids in all of San Antonio that I know of in the city. Right. And, um, she, yeah, I mean, she's an infant. I mean, she's maybe three months old and because the community is so, tight knit and it apert syndrome is so rare. We had friends in common that 
got us together. And now we're, you know, I'm talking to her, texting her every day, checking on her, um, you know, seeing how she's doing, what do you need? Do you need anything? And she's doing the same for me. Mm. And, um, the, I think we even have a little, uh, a social media, a page for apert moms and the, um, one of the other moms that heads up the page, she always has, okay, so-and-so is having surgery. Let's, let's talk about, Um, let's talk to them. Let's send them good wishes. Let's send them prayers. And now is this a Facebook page, a Facebook page? It is. Yes. It's a Facebook page for, um, um, Apert moms, I believe it's what it's called. And it's just a group there that we, you know, we're able to kind of talk to one another and ask questions. And, you know, some, some moms are like, I don't know, like, is this, you know, my son or my daughter's having this or that. And because it's so rare, it's kind of like, you know, we all kind of understand. And so everybody kind of gets to jump in and, right. and offer their support and their love. And I, I mean, this is such a, a supportive group of people. Now, and it, um, uh, spell that for me, spell the, um, is it AP or AB? AP, ERT, APERT. APERT. So just look for APERT Facebook. So that you can yes. find it if you have anybody or if you know of anybody. Is is that particular uh, genetic, uh, is, is there a spectrum with that? Or does everybody pretty much have the same symptoms if you have that genetic disorder? You know, they almost look, I feel like we say as moms that our kids kind of look like brothers and sisters. Oh, okay. Um, they kind of have, they kind of look similar as far as their facial features. They right. look similar. Right. Um, it's actually kind of cute. You know, I see them all and I'm like, they just look like brothers and sisters to me, but, uh, that, and then as far as the other issues, it's, it's almost like, um, with any disability, um, some of them are more severe cases than others. Okay. So there is a little bit of a spectrum. Yeah, that's right. It is. You're right. And then also like, um, mental disability, is there a spectrum that runs with that as well? Some are more severely affected. Because of the cranial yes. issues. Okay. Yeah. So some are, are more delayed um, than others. Okay. Um, and, but uh, I know there's a lot of, I actually have some um, adults that have Apert syndrome that are oh. on my Facebook page as friends. Oh, and great. some of them have attended college. Um, you know, um, they've gone to school, graduated high school, cognitively, they're fine. Um, maybe there's delays there. Um, we have a, a young man here in San Antonio who, um, has Apert syndrome and he attends UTSA college and, uh, he drives a car oh, that's amazing. and he's the, um, he works in the athletic department for the UT football team. You know, um, and so a lot of them, I think they recently did an interview with him too. And he just, when they interviewed him, I mean, he was ear to ear smiles and he was like, I'm just happy that they're, that they're accepting me and they're, you know, that I'm allowed to be here. I'm just happy. He was a very well-adjusted kid and he seemed like he was really happy where he was. So a lot of them go on to be success, pretty successful Independent and have some kind of an adult life. That's amazing. Mostly, yes. So Mostly, where do you yes. where do you see Amanda? Do you feel as though 
Um, I mean, your, your children are young, but like you said, you, you also have a son that graduated and he's, he's in the military right now. And, and so you've kind of got this like, wait, I'm supposed to be an empty nester. What's happening here? Where do you see Amanda? Um, have you found, um, do you have days where you go? I've just disappeared. I have become nothing. And then other days where you're like, I am the mom here. I am amazing. You know, uh, where do you find your self-worth right now? And what do you see? Do you see anything uh, do you look into the future and go, Oh, I have to let those dreams go. Or do you still feel pretty confident that there'll be some Amanda time in the future or where are you at at that point? I, thank you. Thank you for asking that. You know, I, I do feel like there's some, I still got some time left, you know, I'm, I'm like, no, I, I think I can do, I know that there's something that I am supposed to be doing. I'm not sure exactly what it is in the future. Uh-huh. I know there's something though, and okay. maybe it has to do with helping other moms, uh-huh. I think. Uh-huh. Um, but right now I feel where I am. I'm, I'm very uh, content with where I am now. Now, two, a couple months ago, maybe not so much. Right. <laughs> it's, it's been a, a, a uh, it's been kind of a, a, a progressive thing. For right. Me. Right. Day, it's easier. Right. And when I first started homeschooling, my mom is amazing. My mom is a retired teacher, oh, uh, a retired fabulous. reading specialist. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and she says, I'm going to come over and I'm going to help you get your girls assessed because we had made the decision to homeschool. And a lot of it had to do with the whole mask to get controversial, oh. the whole mask argument. Oh, for, for her little face. I mean, that's just not possible. Yeah. She couldn't, she can't breathe out of her nose. Right. And what you were saying about the Americans with Disabilities Act, that was another thing that came up. You know, those, some of those kids are not able to, and they have to have accommodations in place, whether they're flying on an airplane, oh. you know, society needs to recognize that not all people with disabilities are able to wear that mask, right. whether it be a physical abnormality like Alessia uh-huh. or a actual physical problem where they can't breathe out of their nose, which she can't. And so I think it's just kind of a rare problem. So a lot of people didn't understand it. Right. And I think her school would have probably given her an accommodation, but I do know that a lot of the other parents were kind of not happy about the kids that were getting accommodations because they were just worried about their own children. And so my husband and I were like, you know what? I I was like, okay, we're going to homeschool. So at first it was kind of a forced thing. Mm -hmm. And then my mom got involved and helped me. And then day by day, I just, I had a lot of self-doubt and every day that went by, like you said, I was like, I could do this. I, I could do this. My you kids are learning. My, yeah. Yeah. My six-year-old is reading. She's yeah. I, I've taught her how to read. So I'm like, how did I learn how to do these things? So I have my days where I feel just like, yeah, I'm awesome. And then I have some days where I feel like, hmm, not so much, but <laughs> Yeah, but the but the one thing I do have now is I have hope for the future mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of the hard stuff is behind us, and now I just want to, like you, very much like you, I just want to help other moms, whether they have children with disabilities or not. I just want to be there for them. 
and, and offer them a hand like I had, I want to pay, I want to pay that forward because I had so many people help me that I, I want to find, seek out people that need help and say, Hey, you know, I went through that. I had people to help me. So now that I'm able to, Mm -hmm. and my daughter's mostly done with surgeries, now I can jump in and, you know, what do you need? You know? And so I think that's that's probably the biggest thing right there. And um, is the paying it forward. I think it helps uh, the, when you, you know, faith is things hoped for. And there are many days when hope is gone and you start thinking there's, there's no way this is going to change. This is going to be my life forever. And when you lose hope, um, that's, that's, that's when you feel like you've hit your bottom, but it's amazing how just paying it forward uh, changes that mindset, just looking for opportunities to somehow uh, repay the, somehow the gifts that were given to you. Like you said, we both have supportive husbands. We both have uh, participating families. Um, so there are others that don't have that. So what can I do to alleviate some of their pain and suffering? And it's the only way to get out of those days when you've just lost all hope and there's can't be faith without hope. And 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 you just think I, I don't want to do this anymore. And how do I get out of this? And and then it doesn't take much if you just can get out of that mindset. But I'm certainly not saying that's an easy process because there's been more than just a few days when I've gone. I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, so I appreciate you yes. mentioning that. I, I really do. Well, thank you, Amanda. You, oh my gosh, I can't believe I I love the female community. I'm sorry. I'm not bashing men, but I just am amazed at how we can meet in the strangest ways and yet form friendships that I feel like will go on. I mean, I feel like I'm going to be in some, um, assisted living place myself, you know, as a 90 year old woman, I'm like, I wonder what Amanda's doing today. And I'll be looking you up (laughs) on social media. And I think that's fabulous. So Thank you so much. We'll get together. (laughs) Absolutely. Please, somehow, COVID gods, go away. Yeah, we definitely will do that. So thank you so much. We will talk again, hopefully on a beach somewhere. Absolutely. Renee, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. Thank you so much. It really is. You too. Well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, all of you, for listening today. And I really hope that you will join me every week as I have guests on like Amanda who have gone through things and we will be exploring this path of life called uh, womanhood and we will all be telling our stories and hopefully we'll be, we will be learning from each other because you know what? Being invisible is no way to go through life. So we will see you next week and every week because look, you're visible. Bye. Bye.